There once was a young girl who was in about grade three. And this girl was really looking forward, it was about early in the week, she was looking forward to the weekend when her soccer team was going to have a picnic in the park on Saturday. So she was really looking forward to this picnic in the park, but unfortunately this girl throughout the week wasn't behaving very well. So the girl's mother kind of had to warn her and say, okay, look, if things don't go better with your behavior, you won't be allowed to go to this picnic. And lo and behold, the girl kept being more and more naughty during the week, and the mother, kind of midweek, had to tell her, I'm sorry, but because of your behavior, you can't go to the picnic with the rest of your friends on Saturday. And the girl, of course, was quite gloomy, quite sad. And as the week went on, the mother sort of relented from her kind of view that she had taken from this punishment. So she approached her daughter and said, look, you've been quite good these last couple days, so you get to go to the picnic after all on Saturday. And the mother was surprised when she told the little girl this news because her face dropped and she became quite sad. And the mother asked the young girl and said, you know, why are you so sad? I thought you would be excited to hear the news that you could go to the picnic on Saturday. And the young girl cried out to her mother, but mom, it's too late. I already prayed that it would rain on Saturday. <laughs> so kind of this story illustrates again something interesting about prayer. Jesus in the gospel talks about, to us about prayer. And we realize that prayer is a rather complicated matter, kind of a difficult thing to do. We admire on the one hand this young girl's faith, that she feels that just by asking God for rain, it's going to rain. We admire this, but we also recognize ultimately that this is not oftentimes how prayer works, that prayer is difficult. Sometimes we pray for things that are important for us, things that are very meaningful, and ultimately these things do not come to pass. Jesus in the gospel today encourages us to persevere in prayer. Jesus, in telling us the need to pray always, recognizes that prayer is difficult. It's a struggle. It's a trial for everyone. But Jesus wants us to encourage doing this. In the gospel today, we hear about this story about a widow and an unjust judge. So we need to recognize that the legal system at Jesus' time was not quite as it is today. So some of you, I hope a lot of you, have had the chance just a few blocks from here is the New Westminster Courts. Has everybody been there? There's the courts, you walk down the hill, go to the right. And it's kind of interesting to walk there by the courts, and you'll see in front of the court a large statue. I think the statue represents Lady Justice. But this statue of this woman is standing very tall, and she's holding in her hand the scales of justice to represent kind of the way that justice is going to be rendered in the court. And very significantly, the woman's eyes are blindfolded. So the woman is wearing a blindfold to recognize that justice is supposed to be blind in some ways. The judges are not supposed to recognize the people in front of them, but just base things on facts. They're supposed to be impartial. This is what a just judge does. The judge in the gospel today is anything but just. We hear that the judge is unjust. So at Jesus' time, sometimes people, the judges, would render a verdict based on what they hoped to get in return from the person. Maybe if they were wealthy, they would kind of land things in their favor. But here we have a widow who really can't give anything to the judge in return. So the judge probably isn't too concerned to give her proper justice. But Jesus emphasizes in the gospel that 
even though this judge would not normally do the right thing for this widow, because the widow is so persistent, she continues to ask the judge for justice, the judge will finally throw up his hands, give up, and give this widow what she's wanting. Jesus uses this kind of story as a comparison to the way that we should behave in prayer. Jesus is by no means saying that God is an unjust judge. We know that Jesus reveals God to be a father who loves us and who cares for us, but Jesus is contrasting this unjust judge with God. Just as this unjust judge ultimately will give this woman what she wants, what's best for her, so too, so much more so, can we expect and have the confidence that God, our loving Father, will give us what is right for us. God loves us, he cares for us, he will give us what we need. For this reason, we need to continue to pray without ceasing, as Jesus says, to persevere in prayer. And prayer, of course, is a struggle. Uh, it's kind of not so hard to sit down in prayer, but ultimately to find that time each and every day, to take some time to pray every day is difficult, it's a struggle, and Jesus tells us it's worthwhile. Prayer, as we know, can be a struggle because at times we don't receive what we pray for. And Jesus in the gospel does not say God will ultimately give us exactly what we're looking for. This doesn't always happen. But when we pray, something always happens to us in our life and in our hearts. God is a good father. When we pray, he wants to bring about what is best for us. Sometimes what we pray for isn't the best thing at that particular time, or maybe it's not the best thing ever in our lives. God ultimately wants to give us what is best for us, and prayer always works. It does something. It transforms our heart so that we can see ultimately what is best for us. One of the most kind of interesting examples I've read about the power and challenge of prayer comes from a Jesuit priest by the name of Father Walter Chiswick. So Father Walter died around the year 1984, and he was a Jesuit. He was born and raised in the United States. And growing up, uh, Walter's dream was to become a missionary in then the Soviet Union. So Walter, he entered the Jesuits, he was ordained a priest, and in the year 1939, Walter Chizik, Father Walter now, was sent as a missionary to the Soviet Union, and he stayed there until 1963. But his entire time in the Soviet Union did not go as he was expecting. One year after being uh, kind of in the Soviet Union, he was arrested and put into solitary confinement. After a short time in solitary confinement, Walter Chizik was sent to a, a, a kind of a gulag, a prisoner camp, north of the Arctic Circle and was forced into labor for several years. After that time in the prison camp, Walter Chizik was released, but he had to live in a very small village in the north of Russia, and he wasn't able to minister as a priest properly. So Walter Chizik was very disappointed in his heart. He felt he had come to the Soviet Union to be a missionary, to celebrate Mass, to preach to people, to share the good news about Jesus Christ. But seemingly, as soon as he arrived, things went not according to plan. He suffered greatly. He suffered kind of from this solitary confinement, but also he couldn't do the priestly ministry that Jesus was calling him to do. Walter Chizik wrote a very beautiful autobiography called With God in Russia. So I really recommend it. And it's very remarkable because he went through so much in his life, in his time in the Soviet Union from 1939 
1963. But also what's so interesting is the way his heart changes. Walter Chiswick came to learn with the passage of time, with his perseverance in prayer, that God didn't always give him what he thought at that time was best. But Walter Chiswick came to learn and to recognize that the situation in which he found himself was God's providence for him, that God was calling him to respond faithfully to his daily circumstances. And it was in this way that God was showing him his love and care. And it was in this way that by responding to this, Father Walter could bring God's love to people around him. So Father Walter Chiswick, through his perseverance in prayer over these long years in the Soviet Union, was able to learn and to change. His heart grew to recognize the way that God was calling him to respond to the present moment. Father Walter ultimately was returned back to the United States in 1963. He was part of a, a swap, you know, these used to happen. I think he was traded for two Russian spies. We won't make any judgments about the value of spies versus priests. But anyway, he was, he was traded for two Russian spies. And his life really shows us about the importance of persevering in prayer. God always does something for us in our lives. He loves us. He's a kind father. But he doesn't always give us in prayer what we think we want at that time. Persevering in prayer is, of course, difficult. It's a struggle, as Jesus teaches us. But the good news is that we are not in this alone. We are here to help one another, to persevere, to follow through on the path that Jesus has called us in the ups and downs in our lives. I think this support we receive from others in prayer comes across quite beautifully in the first reading. This is a very kind of interesting story about Moses when the people of Israel, kind of when they're wandering through the wilderness, they encounter this king Amalek and his people. And Amalek and his people, the Amalekites, become kind of like these great enemies of the people of Israel. They persecute them, make war with them ultimately. And so they enter into this great battle. And Joshua is the leader, the commander of the battle forces of Israel. And Moses is told by God that he can do something to ensure that the people will succeed in battle. So he's told kind of to go up on a hill, and you see this in art oftentimes represented. And Moses is told that as long as his arms are extended, kind of like in an image of prayer, then things will go well for the people of Israel. They will win in battle. But if he drops his arms, then the people of Israel will not succeed. So Moses is up there, his arms are extended. And of course, as time goes on, he begins to weary and he drops his arms. And I believe this is kind of a beautiful image or analogy for prayer. We extend our hands to God in prayer. We ask God what we're looking for in our lives. But at times, persevering in prayer can become tiresome. We can feel like dropping our hands, ceasing to pray. And it's at this important moment in this story where Aaron and Hur come in to help Moses, to support his arms. So these two young, these two men, these companions of Moses, help Moses keep his arms aloft so he can continue interceding on behalf of Israel. I think this is a beautiful image for how we help one another persevere in prayer. Ultimately, we do this in many ways. We oftentimes say we will pray for someone who is in need, but a really wonderful way that we support each other in prayer is coming to Mass. So as we look around the church here today, we see there's many other people 
join together with us in prayer. We are part of God's family. We are a community of faith. We're here, of course, as individuals and as families. We have concerns we carry with us. But also when we're here during the Mass, we pray for one another. This is a wonderful way that we can persevere and help one another to persevere in prayer. So Jesus then teaches us in the Gospel about the importance of continuing to pray. It's difficult. It's a challenge for everyone, for each and every one of us. But God ultimately will give us what is best for us, perhaps not what we think we want, but ultimately what is best for us in our lives. And I'd encourage us, when we pray the Our Father at Mass today, just be attentive to the voices that you hear around you during Mass. I think the Our Father is a beautiful moment of of prayer as a community. Listen to all the voices around you in the church here this morning and remind yourselves that all these voices are praying for you and you, in joining your voice to the community, prays for everyone else who is here.